0: And open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're in our summer series, Heroes of the Bible. We're going to be looking at John the Baptist. Can we stand and honor God's word? I think it's fitting that today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection. That's why the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come because it was a feast that they were celebrating, but how many of you know that Pentecost is about to take on a whole new meaning for those that were gathered in the upper room for nine nine days? And so today, I think it only fitting that we are speaking about John the Baptist because John the Baptist was the first one to declare that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. For there's one coming after me who's mightier than I am. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, Matthew 3, verses 11. And I, I want to just say this. Last week, we had many people wonderfully baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Um, and if that is the desire of your heart at the close of this service, we would be you know honored to be to to pray for you i love to pray for the baptism of the holy spirit we don't believe it's a determiner between whether a person goes to heaven or not we believe it is an encourager as we're still on this earth and so i uh, would love to pray for you if that's your desire um, but i think it's fitting that we are on pentecost sunday talking about john the baptist the one who declared that jesus was the baptizer in the holy, <clears throat> in the holy ghost look at luke 1 verse I think I'm going to begin reading. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abia, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old." One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priest. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their, their God. He will be a man with a spirit and power, of Elisha, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Father in heaven, John the Baptist, he was a forerunner. He was a forerunner. And God, I thank you for all that you have called each and every one of us to do that there's no template for, that there's no pattern for. But at your leading and at your prompting, we are obediently walking out your word. God, I thank you for the courage and the strength that it takes to go ahead, to pioneer, to plunge. Father, thank you for the strength that it gave, Lisa, that you gave Lisa and I to start a church in a home 22 years ago and all that we're enjoying today and all that you've blessed because you always bless your word. You always bless obedience. Father, give us the courage to carry out your word even if there is no pattern, even if there is no example that we could follow regarding what you're asking us to do. Father, thank you that you always lead us in the paths of righteousness. Holy Spirit, you always lead and guide us into all truth. Thank you for where you're leading and thank you for the courage to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. The focus of our study today is John the Baptist, as I've stated. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Were righteous in God's eyes. So clearly their inability to have children was not because of some sin. It wasn't because of some curse, because Scripture says they were righteous in God's eyes. They were both old and it's assumed beyond childbearing years. How many of you know when the scripture says old, it means old? It means old. It's amazing if you look at verses like uh, train a child in the way that they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. That word old means like Abraham and Sarah old. So when the scripture says old, it means old. We just see, you know, old, it means older. No, when it says old, it means old. And so... Zechariah and Elizabeth were beyond childbearing years. Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth also a descendant from the priestly lineage of Aaron. So, daddy descended from the priesthood, mama descended from the priesthood. It is clear that John the Baptist's career was set before he was even born. John the Baptist was to be a priest. Don't you think that even the things that Gabriel spoke to Zechariah, that He shared would have confirmed that, oh my gosh, he is going to be a priest. How amazing. How many of you know that because God's word is living and it's active, that it continues to unfold? That it continues to unfold. Corey and I were having a great discussion last night about how some believe that. You know, scripture and its context is already laid out, and and that you 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 there is no real further inspiration regarding a, a, a given verse. But scripture is, it's living and it's active. And I believe because it's living and it's active, it can still speak to you in fresh and wonderful ways, of course, that are consistent with the written word of God, but fresh and exciting ways. I'm so glad for the the rhema words that God speaks to us in a moment. I'm so glad that God could take an Old Testament verse that was meant for the Israelites and he can use it to encourage me. I'm so grateful that the, the joy of the Lord wasn't just a strength for the people that were rebuilding the wall in Nehemiah's day, but it's a strength for me today. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm not deviating from Scripture if God begins to speak to me about how the joy of the Lord is my strength and how I can encourage you with that. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that we have John the Baptist as an example that things could clearly be carved out, but that God can do whatever he wants to. And we're going to look and we're going to discover that this morning. I was just telling Corey, I said, man, we're not denying context. We're just simply enjoying a relationship with our living God. Zechariah was chosen to burn incense one week. Well, what you might not know is that there were about 18,000 priests at the time of Zechariah. So this was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It wasn't going to come again once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Zechariah would enter the holy place to clean the altar of incense and offer fresh incense. Scripture also tells us that a great crowd stood outside praying while this was done. And while Zechariah is in the sanctuary, Gabriel appears to him. And it must have been a sight because Gabriel had to tell him, don't be afraid. I think we need to understand that there's a difference between being afraid of God and fearing God. Those that fear God draw near. Those who are afraid of God stay away. People of Israel stayed at a distance and they told Moses you speak with God and you tell us. The Bible says Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. I'm going to tell you no matter what the circumstances are no matter how unfamiliar they are if God's voice is Is known, you'll have no problem going there. Jesus said, My sheep, they know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Zechariah's afraid. Gabriel tells him not to be. Our prayers don't expire with God just because our perceived window no longer seems open, because Gabriel said, You know, that the Lord has heard your prayer. Well, if they're old, they probably were no longer praying for a child, because wisdom in the natural would say that that time for us to bear children has come and gone. But how many of you know that our prayers don't expire with God just because our perceived window no longer seems open? God's the one that shuts the doors that no one can open. God's the one that opens doors that no man can shut. God handles that. We don't. And no matter what our perceptions are, our perceptions are not reality with God all the time. And we're ruled by our perception. And our perceptions are reality to us. But just because they're reality to us doesn't mean it's a reality with God. And just because our perceived window seems closed doesn't mean that God's hands are tied. And scripture says Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old in Luke 1, 7. So you gotta believe they probably weren't praying for children recently. Some commentaries say that Zechariah's prayer was for the Messiah to come. If that was true, how powerful that as Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for the Messiah to come, God sends his son and gives them a son. Isn't that just like God. Always over the top, always gives in abundance, always blesses with room, without room to, to even handle it. You won't have room enough to receive God's blessing. What a beautiful picture of God's heart. God sends His Son, not only sends them, but because they were praying, if that was true for the Messiah to come, that God gives them a Son. Gabriel said that John the Baptist would be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Well, let me draw your attention to the fact that the Spirit's power did not manifest in John's ministry with miracles, signs, and wonders. The Spirit's power was seen through John's ministry and preaching, and I want to draw your attention to this. Go to Luke chapter three. So what did John preach like? Look at Luke 3. It says, It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and and, uh, Caiaphas were the high priests. And at this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, the mountains and hills made level, the curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth and all people will see the salvation sent from God. When crowds came to John for baptism, get this, he said, you brood of snakes, <laughs> who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the acts of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down. And thrown into the fire, the crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am, not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of the sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat, and his winnowing and with his winnowing fork, he'll clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. Um, John wasn't some mouse in seclusion; he was a voice crying in the wilderness. John was bold and confrontational, calling for people to repent of their sins notice the word warnings in verse 18 older versions say exhortations exhortations i'm sure that you have a picture of what an exhortation is john was exhorting the people here so exhortations can be bold at times and can call people out what are you doing what are you doing you know better than that you were raised better than that you know god's word You've been in his presence. What are you doing? Why would you make a decision like that? What are you doing? You're exhorting them. And sometimes exhortation is strong. Man, why are you posting that on Facebook if you're a Christian? Why are you doing that? Is that what a believer would do? Is that what Jesus would have you do? Get on there half clothed and take a selfie? Is that what Jesus would have you do? Why are you doing that? You're exhorting them. You're exhorting them. John the Baptist chose the wilderness over the priesthood. John the Baptist chose the wilderness over the priesthood. Matthew 15, 6 says that when we choose traditions, we cancel God's word or we make it of no effect. Isn't it just crazy that the son of priestly lineage chose locusts, and wild honey. I mean, this guy's eating grasshoppers and wild honey in the wilderness, dressing himself in, like, camel hair. He must have seemed crazy, but his message wasn't. Can I just say something, saints? If you're going to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, people might think you're crazy, but your message isn't. Your message isn't. And I just want to challenge, just challenge this whole thing of of tradition. Because John the Baptist was called to be a voice crying in the wilderness. Tradition would have made him a priest. He wasn't who the people thought he should be, but he was who God called him to be. You know, I don't think discipleship is telling people who you think that they should be. I think it's pushing people towards Jesus so that they can discover who he's called them to be, so that he can reveal his plan for them, not your plan for them. I find that whenever somebody tries to put a plan or a purpose upon me that they think that I should follow, it's always exhausting and it always seems unattainable. But when God calls me to do something, his purpose and his plan, there's always life in it. Ask yourself this, if the Lord is leading you and you really believe that he is, why are you so exhausted and why are you so burned out? Is the Lord leading you or are people leading you? Are their intentions and their perceptions and their best laid plans leading you or is the Lord leading you? When we respond to God's calling, we'll be heard even if it's in the middle of the wilderness. Jesus said there was no one greater than John. If you're responding to his call, God will hear you. God will use you, even if it's in the middle of the wilderness. People must have thought John was in saying, Zechariah, what's up with your boy? What's up with your boy? What is he doing out there in the wilderness? I heard his message is a bit strong. What is up with? It? We love our son. We don't understand. But, I mean, can you imagine trying to cover for that? He must have seemed out of his mind. But no one could deny the message. And when it says that even tax collectors were coming out to him, that's an enormous statement because tax collectors were not the most loved in the community. And they were brutal and dishonest and stripping people of money that they needed to survive. Even the tax collectors were coming out and saying, teacher, what do we need to do? Soldiers coming out, what do we need to do? People from all walks of life because the message was undeniable. The message was undeniable. John the Baptist was a forerunner and can I just say this, there's no tradition for that. And so many times we, we take what God has spoken and we try to filter it through tradition. And the Bible says when we choose the, the, the traditions of men, we make the word of God of no effect. You render God's word ineffectual when you choose tradition. John the Baptist learned from his father, Zechariah. Zechariah struggled receiving the word of the Lord and was silenced in the sanctuary. John received the word of the Lord and cried aloud in the wilderness. Zechariah's congregation served God through traditions practiced. John's congregation came to God through truth preached. Zechariah was one of eight, 18,000 priests maintaining established tradition passed down from Aaron. John the Baptist was a forerunner ushering in a new priesthood through Jesus Christ. Let me just offer a few thoughts as we're winding down here. We can maintain respect and honor traditions, but we can't grow in them. We can't grow in them. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3:18. You, you, cannot, you cannot grow in tradition. You can maintain it, you can honor it, you can respect it, and I'm grateful for the traditions that I was raised in and raised around, but I can't grow in them, I grow in Jesus. There's a comfort in religion, but there's no growth or increase. Traditions are like memories kept and treasured. When my mother, father, father, brother and nephews passed away. I have wonderful memories of them, but there's no continuing relationship that can grow over time because they once lived and they served their purpose no matter how short. They served their purpose. And traditions are like structures that have served their purpose and we should be building from them. Not cowering or not hiding beneath them or behind them because it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. And we must be aware of the culture that we are in the midst of because you are not going to drag them back to the 1500s in a pipe organ. However great those songs were, I think we can still sing those songs. We want to keep bringing people back into how we came to know the Lord. Well, man, those are traditions that you've known, but you're still growing in a relationship, right? I mean, how do you cram the King James Bible down an 18-year-old's throat who just came to Jesus? Hey, you might want to get this Oxford English Dictionary, too. There are words in there that I, I don't even know. And King James just wanted a translation that was contemporary in his day. And we're in sin and, and we're using perverted texts because we want a, 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 a genuine, accurate rendering in a, in a language that w- we are good with today. I mean, come on. Come on. I, I, I'm so grateful for tradition. I, I really, really am. But there's no growth for me There. Man, there's respect and there's honor, but there's no growth. The growth is in Jesus. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not everything that people have done in the name of Jesus, and we're grateful. How many of you know that no matter how beautiful the building, we still have to discover growth in Jesus Christ, no matter how long the building's been there? And 50 years from now, should Jesus tarry, people are going to still need to discover Jesus in this structure in a new and a fresh way. Just like with my mother, father, brother, nephews, there's no longer any life there that I can enjoy. They're they're, they're dead and, and they're gone and I'm not trying to resurrect them. And I'm not hanging on to them. I'm grateful for them. And I have wonderful memories. Wonderful memories. But I'm not always trying to go backwards. You think that that's what they'd tell me? Hang on to me. Never forget about me. Or would they say, John, you go on you, with your marriage and your family. and Man, you, you, you come to know Jesus in greater ways and, 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 and greater depths and you do all that God's asking you to do, John. See, relationships grow, religion and tradition cannot. Don't ever forget it. And you can have customs, you know, well, Pastor John, don't you have traditions? You know, don't you, don't you read the Bible as in a tradition? I don't know if I would call my Bible reading a tradition. I do it more out of devotion than tradition. I do it because I love Jesus. I go to church not because it's necessarily a, a tradition. It's, it, it's because I love Jesus that I go to church. We didn't, we didn't tell our boys when they were growing up, listen, we're Christians and you're going to go to church because it's our tradition. We tell them, look, we go to church to find out more about Jesus because we love Jesus and we want you to know him and we want you to hear him when he's talking and know it's him. We didn't push tradition on them. We pushed truth and we pushed relationship and, on them. And our desire was for them to have that. And I believe that if we grew our boys to the point where they could begin to discern God's voice, we've done our job. We've trained them in the way that they should go. I think people treat their, their kids, even when they're adults, like they're still children and they're telling them what to do. We're to train them, not tell them you can tell children what to do because they're too foolish to know better. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction drives it far from them. I think we still have many adults that are foolish because correction was never meted out to them in a loving and a healthy way. But if you want to grow your kids into adults, you, you train them. You come alongside of them and say, man, is that really the best call here, the best decision? Is that really what you want to do? If, they're, if you see them as children, you treat them like that. And I've seen mothers talk to their young men as if they're boys. And I've seen, I've seen fathers talk to their, to, their, to their daughters, young women, as if they're little girls still coming under their thumb instead of encouraging them to grow. You train. You train. Training is different than telling. Training is coming alongside of and offering an example and say, man, we've been there. I mean, you can go there. I mean, but we've been there. You tell children, you train budding adults, young men and women, you train them in the way that they should go. You don't tell them this is the way that they should go. You're going to tell an 18-year-old, you're going to go to church and that's final. Or are you going to train them and say, man, this is what we found in our years of going to church. That in any given moment, in any given Sunday, God can speak to you and can reveal His heart and what He's got for you at any given moment. That's why I love church. It's why I love the presence of God. What are you doing? Are you telling them? Are people coming under your control? Or are they following your example? See, relationships grow, religion and tradition cannot. What are you passing down? time honored tradition or a legacy of a relationship with Jesus Christ that was walked out you choose you choose if you pass down your traditions then your kids are going to find themselves in church one day and they're not even going to know why they're there and the reason for being the reason for being there because nobody told them is going to kind of give them this apathy Towards the body of Christ, towards church, towards you know why do we even go? You know, my whole life, I was told that I needed to go to church. I can remember I was talking to a guy in the community one time, and uh, I said to him, "Wait a minute, you were raised in the church because I didn't know, and he, I said... I said, How come you're not going to church anymore? And he goes, Because I was told I had to my whole life. See, when boys become men, they don't want to be told what to do, they want to be given an example. Because manhood, by its very definition, wants to step out and it wants to begin to make decisions. Pastor John, my kids are sowing their wild oats. They don't have to sow for long. Be an example to them. Be an example to them. Show them relationship with Jesus Christ. Quit trying to cram tradition down their throat, religion down their throat. It's relationship. Jesus is a person. He's not a place. He's not a thing. He's not a practice. He's a person. He is a way. He is the truth. He is the life, the way, the truth, the life. So the more you know Jesus, it should be very, very hard for you to get lost, to be deceived, to be killed, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And all I've ever wanted and all I believe that any parent, any grandparent could ever want is for their kids to have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. That's what you want. That's what you want. And I'm so grateful that we have John the Baptist as an example because he chose relationship over tradition. Years, lineage passed down. God honored, time honored, but God was doing a new thing and chose John the Baptist, one whose career was carved out for him. All he had to do was just step into it. And he chose to be a voice of one crying. I'm so grateful. So grateful for men like John the Baptist that we can derive so much from and glean so much from. And I just want to pray for you today before we before we leave that maybe you grew up in the midst of wonderful tradition and wonderful people, godly, godly people, just the most amazing traditions. Maybe you grew up in a big, beautiful church with incredible structure, gorgeous setting. But what's God speaking to you today? Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8 that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What's he speaking today? Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. What is he telling you today? Is he telling you to keep the faith or is he telling you to contend earnestly for the faith? Is he telling you to hoard the faith or to share the faith? Is he telling you to honor the traditions that your mother and father raised you in your grandparents raised you in? Or is he telling you to pick up your cross and follow him? It's It's amazing to me that Jesus carried a cross once, but we're called to carry a cross daily. Jesus said we can't even follow him unless we pick up our cross. Pastor John, I'm worried about what people would think about what they'd say. Isn't that why you're carrying a cross? Because there are things that you're going to die to if you're going to follow Jesus. You're worried about maintaining your reputation and we're to be the fragrance of the Lord in the earth. People are to come to know Jesus through our example. It's not about whether you're accepted. It's about whether he's accepted. That's what eternity is all about. People accepting Jesus. And if we are fulfilling our callings, people are going to see Jesus through us, whether it's in the marketplace, the schools, whether it's in our neighborhoods. People will see Jesus in us He's asking you to do? Is it scary? I hope so. Because you'll never outgrow your need for him. And if he's speaking to you today, he'll keep speaking to you. Just stay good and close to him. I don't know if I've ever seen what God's asking me to do done before. Awesome. Be a forerunner. Thank you that you always speak in ways that line up with your word. Your word's truth, where you lead is truth. Man, you are truth. We love you so much. God's speaking to you right now. Is He talking to your heart right now? Is He beckoning you into deeper waters? You've been an ankle, you've been a knee, you've been in waist deep waters, is he beckoning you in over your head? Today, if you'll hear his voice, I believe he's gonna call you into water and over your head. Those of you watching live, where is he leading? he's leading, you'll never figure out, but you'll follow him to find out. You're here today and you've reasoned long enough. You're exhausted. You're tired from effort and God's beckoning you back into life giving relationship with Jesus again and you need to recommit, you need to refresh and renew, or maybe you need to invite Jesus in your heart for the first time. If God's speaking to you all over this place, whoever you are, just want you to stand right now, and we're gonna pray together. Just stand, just God's speaking to you, talking to you. I'm asking those of you that are watching live, to do the same. If God's speaking to your heart, stand wherever you are, your living room. Just stand. I just want to pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that there's no greater place to be.